0: I don't know about you, but I loved waking up to see the sunshine. I'm ready for spring, right? All things new. God's creating all things new, the flowers. And it was just a reminder to me that um, wherever you're at in life, um, the way you're coming in here this morning, I don't know what's going on, but I'm reminded that God, God makes things new. And he is working his kingdom, a kingdom of love and joy and peace, of renewal, of purpose and living, he's, he's doing that now in you, even though you might not think so. Jesus is in the business of renewing lives and giving us purpose and meaning. And that's, that's really what he wants to understand this morning. And, and as I think about that, I think about the people, the people that he changes the people that he gives gifts to, the people that he gives talents and abilities to, and how does he use them? And we've been talking about that as a church, and the people who use their gifts inside of our church. And so, Katie Hoagland, uh, if you wouldn't mind coming up here, and I just want to talk to you all about, hey, what does it look like to use my talents, gifts, and abilities? And so, Katie, there you go. So um, if you don't know Katie, Katie's currently our director of children's ministries, and she's just helping us out with just how how we're loving our kids and helping them along in this Christian life, right? And so a couple things I want to ask you, Katie, Um, what have you enjoyed, just personally, what have you enjoyed about being a part of our kids' ministry?
1: Um, I've enjoyed getting to know um, other families at Encounter um, even better, and other members' Um, who have been helping out with our children's ministry. Um, I've been enjoying planning events uh, and um, getting our kids involved on Sundays um, so that they feel part of the church, um, and that hopefully church is a memorable part of their childhood and that they have a foundation in Christ before we send them out.
0: Yeah, that's good. And then in what you've enjoyed, like what's been something encouraging for you that you've kind of seen that whether it's um, maybe people that are on the team with you or uh, even what's something you've seen in the kids that's really encouraged you personally?
1: Yeah, um, so our dream team and group of volunteers have been amazing and so self-sacrificing. Um, they're always always ready to serve, give up their time, their resources, um, new ideas to grow our ministry. Um, people like Charles and Enos who are constantly working behind the scenes um, so that everything runs smoothly um, has been such an encouragement um, just to see how giving our <laughs> church is, um, has been so great. So our staff loves our kids. And they desire to see them grow in the knowledge of the Lord. Yeah,
0: that, that's awesome. Um, and then finally, uh, w- how would you say you're using like your gifts yeah. and abilities in, in, in this role in our church?
1: Yeah, um, I think I've been given a gift of organization. Um, I love seeing um, plans come into place and implemented. Um, I love our meetings, note-taking, planning, um, those types of things. Um I think I've been given a great opportunity in working administratively in a school. Um, so I've taken what I've learned from you know, policies and procedures in classrooms, um, keeping children safe um, is a big priority to me, um, and bringing that to encounter.
0: Yay, thank you so much for that. Yeah, we appreciate absolutely. you, Katie. <laughs> All right, so obviously we're trying to get a theme here. God uses everybody to build up the kingdom of God, and he uses everyone with their unique talents, abilities, with who they're made, to do things for his name's sake, to influence the world with Christ. Our mission statement at Encounter Church is what? Anyone? Say it out loud. Helping people encounter Christ, right? There's a reason we have that. We believe that God has given every single person the ability to help people encounter Christ. And he does that through your unique talents and abilities, everything he's given you. And to be a part of that, we have our kids here this morning, and so here's what I want to do. I'm being a little more interactive this morning. I need a student age 6 to 10 Somebody raise your hand. I need you to come on up here. Come on, Sophie. Come on up here. All right? I need a student who's age 10 to 15. Age 10 to 15. Jude, come on up. And then, I need you, Caleb. Come on. All right. I need you right here. All right. Excellent. I need you right here. Oh, perfect. We're even, we're even age, height, perfect. It's the perfect line. All right. So... I'm going to ask you guys just a simple question, okay? And Sophie, you tell me, okay? Sophie, what would you say that you enjoy doing, or that's something you're really good at?
1: Um, I like to craft a lot. Um, I like to um, like out of like this these the things that like you could find everywhere, just make it into something.
0: That's perfect. She likes to craft and make things. and make nothing out of something, or something out of nothing, right? That's perfect, right? Jill, let you handle that. Here you go. You can hit. Hold on. Here you go. I kind of I I like numbers, just kind of like making everything work together, and just at the end getting the end result of the so everything works out in an in an orderly way. Okay. Awesome. And then Caleb. I would say through sports with. Especially with basketball, and it gives me a unique opportunity to, especially with teams that have programs that don't exactly, like the players don't exactly grow up in a, in a Christian family or around the church, and be able to foster people through, through sports. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Have a seat. Thank you so much. I, I did that because I, I want our students to hear this. And I want the adults to hear this. Every single one of them had a different passion, a different gifting. And you all, God wants to use those things that other people would see Jesus through your talents, gifts, and abilities. Do you see that? Do you see that in your life? That God wants to use you in your occupation God wants to use you as a neighbor. God wants to use you in your church, your gifts, talents, and abilities to build up the kingdom of God. This is is the reason why we're walking through the Sermon on the Mount. Because in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is inviting us to live out the kingdom and to build his kingdom. From Matthew 5 to Matthew 7, it's a resounding gong that you are a part of this kingdom and where are you going to be used by God? And so this morning, as we're walking through this idea of building God's kingdom today, we're asking the question, what is my purpose in life? What is my purpose in life? I mean, it's a common philosophical question. What's the purpose of life, right? And we think that purpose in life is found in following Jesus. And not just following Jesus, but helping other people follow Jesus too. That, that that's the greatest meaning in life is that people would see God in you in me. And so I just want to make sure really quickly here, does everybody have a sheet, a worksheet? If you don't, can you raise your hand for me? If you don't have one of these, raise your hands. And Isaiah, Bryce, Horton, can you come over here and pass these out to those folks that don't have one? You're awesome, thank you. If you don't have a sheet, I want to make sure you get one. Because what I want to do is I I want this to be a process for you to think through where is God leading me in life and how am I being used by God? And I think questions are helpful to process and think through our lives. And that sheet, as we go through the sermon, you'll kind of see it helps walk through some of these things. I am... This idea that that God wants to use me to build his kingdom has been something that's been, I guess, formative in my life since I was age 19. When I went to college and Jesus changed my life. And I heard, in some sense, this message at the age of 19 in Campus Crusade for Christ. And it changed my life. and set me on a course and a path that I never would have thought. that Jesus would come to me and show me that he is God and yet he is my friend and my father all in one and that real meaning of purpose is found, is found in him, it has um, changed me. And I will never look back. It is the greatest decision I've ever made. God has made us with purpose in life. I, I spoke this message last week to a school. I'm thankful that Ann and invited me. And um, it was at a school called Jubilee Academy. And, and I had to give a chapel service from kids age, kindergarten to age senior. Kind of hard to do. You know? Um, and I was just trying to think of like, what, what do you say? And this was the message I gave them. And I'm going to give it to you. We are wonderfully made by God for wonderful things. I want you to hear that. You and I, we are wonderfully made by God for wonderful things. Do you believe that today? I am fearfully and wonderfully made, the psalmist says. As we're starting this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us this this vision of our life. He says, follow me and I will do what with you? I will make you what? Fishers of men. He is making us with what? With purpose and meaning. And what is that? To be a fisher of men. That my life would be intentionally used by the great God of the universe who made everything in existence, who is eternal and beyond us and above us, and yet he has created us to be used by him to change people's lives for eternity. It's not just the temple here that matters. It's eternity that matters. And your heart is made for eternity. How will you be used by God? He has fearfully and wonderfully made you for wonderful things. I pray that this message resonates and gets in you and never changes who you think you are and what your mission in life is. There's a text I think that really conveys this really well. It's Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one would boast. For we, we are his workmanship. One of the translations says we are his handiwork. We are created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. I don't want to miss that first verse. I want to make it beeline to verse 10, but I don't want to miss that first verse in verse 8. By grace, you've been saved. You know, I can preach a a message about purpose in life and meaning in life, and, and like you can be secular, right? You don't have to be a Christian to have that story resonate. Like half the business books in the world are about purpose in life. But we're not talking about business here. We're talking about the creator God that came down in the form of man named Jesus who died, was buried, and resurrected that we would find life in him. We have to get that right first that God has made you first for a relationship with him and that life and joy and meaning is found when we know God. When we understand his love and his care for us His concern for our lives. He is all wise. He knows all things well. And we can trust Him. He has forgiven us of the sins we've committed. He has redeemed us. He has changed us. And we can walk with Him and follow Him. That's first and foremost. You have to get that right. When you start your day, you gotta start it with God. Because if you don't, Your day is meaningless. You're just working for you and your kingdom, not God's kingdom. I just I just want to say, like that, this is first and foremost, is our walk with the Father. And then when we understand that, He He renews our vision, He renews our passions, He renews our desires, and He makes them His. So that we're no longer working for our kingdom, but rather we're doing what? We're working for his kingdom and what he's doing in the world. And so where are you? Child of God. Son of the king. Daughter of the king. The king we see, King Jesus, who comes in, in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, and inviting us to live out the kingdom. Are you today living out the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? That is the purpose of life. And he uses us. He uses us to build the kingdom. Ultimately, what we will need to see is our main purpose in life is to show others God. That's it. You ever heard the phrase that we're the hands and feet of Jesus? You are. With every word, every thought, every action, every deed, you show Christ with everything you do. That, that is the main purpose. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. Right? In Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16, he says, What? You, you are the salt of the earth. If salt's lost its taste, how will its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they would see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is the light of the world. You and I are called to let the light of Christ shine through us that other other people might see Jesus in us. You've been made to mirror God. Do you get that? You've been made to mirror God. Right? So what do you do when you wake up in the morning? You go to work? Or for some students who are going to have a problem soon, you're going to be in that mirror making sure that that image is perfect. That image is a reflection of who you are. We are. We are the mirrors of the goodness of God. We're the mirrors of the kindness of God. We're the mirrors of his mercy and his grace, his peace, his love, his justice in the world. God has made you to show that to the world that so desperately needs it. I mean, while you watch the news, how how much does our world need a message of peace in a moment like this how much in our world do people just need to hear love to them or message of grace how how will you convey that with your words and your actions that the light of christ might shine through your life. We've been made to mirror God, um, and so often we do, we do think of it in, in terms of the world that doesn't know Christ. My neighbor, my coworker, whoever that might be. But also, um, grandmas and grandpas, Moms and dads, brothers and sisters, you've been made to mirror God to your family. My son's going to graduate this year. And um, it's been a very difficult process for me. I didn't think it would be. Uh, But it's it's been a little harder for me than I thought. Because you know, I'm kind of reflecting back, and and mean he's convinced that dude, I'm it's it's me. I'm on my own. Go, I'm gonna go, and I'm like, all right, man, you know. But dude, in my heart, I'm like, what have I done? Right? Has my life uh, mattered? And Isaiah's been, um, you know, he's had a a, a challenging year on some levels. Just some friends have Some friends have, I I think, kind of dissed him, you know? We all get that, right? We all get friendships, people who have dissed you in life, and it's like, man, come on. Why are you doing that, right? And uh, I said to him, Isaiah, I'm sorry that some of your friends have not been that, but I want you to understand I hope you've seen God through your dad. Isaiah, God gave me to you that you might know his love for you. And I hope you see that. It was a very endearing moment for me as a dad. But how about you? How are you mirroring God to your 40-year-old son or your 90-year-old mother? How, How is your brother seeing an acceptance from you just as a brother or a sister when oftentimes they're not getting accepted in the world out there? We are made to mirror God and to build his kingdom in this world that people would see it through us. Our ultimate purpose in life, it really is helping people see Jesus in us, helping people encounter Christ, right? That's what we're called encounter, that you would encounter Christ through me. And it's amazing to me that that God, he radically transforms us and allows us to be part of this kingdom so that we can express the kingdom of God wherever we go. What a privilege that we carry his grace in our lives wherever we go. Here's the problem though. We could talk about purpose and meaning in life to the to the day we die, right? But the reality is, is that you and I do not wake up living with purpose and meaning. We don't. That's our struggle. We don't live with meaning and purpose. And I think there's, there's two reasons. There are many reasons. We'd be here for an hour or two hours. I'm not going to go over them, but here's two reasons I think why we don't live with purpose and meaning. Number one, our painful experiences define how we live. Our painful experiences, they define how we live, right? Or number two, we love comfort and pleasure more than living on purpose. That's where we're at. That's why we don't live it out, right? Our painful experiences, in other words, folks, hey, I, I have no idea what your family life is like. But I will tell you that if you have parents that have jaded your worldview because they have mistreated you, it will affect the decisions you make it will cause fears in you, fears of rejection, fears of abandonment, and it will prevent you from forming relationships with people. It will prevent you from trusting others. It will prevent you from really going out and and stepping out in faith with courage to go do something you've been always wanting to do because in the back of your mind is that bad parent saying, you can't do it. You're a failure. No one's for you. We're kidding ourselves if we don't think our past experiences define us or shape us. Maybe for you, you've always compared yourself to a sibling or a person on on a team, and you never measure up. And so you know what? There's always a fear of failure in your mind because I'm never going to measure up. I'm never going to be good enough. And so it prevents you from using your God-given gifts, talents, and abilities because you're so discouraged. Stop living in that fear. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. And he has come to give us meaning and purpose in this life to be the light of Christ everywhere we go using all of these beautiful talents and abilities because he's made us wonderfully for wonderful things let's start believing that and step into that where the lord is inviting us to live out his reality and not our past so stop allowing your past to define your future here's here's also the beautiful thing this is good news Here's the good news about your painful experiences, right? God works our pain for wonderful things, right? Romans eight twenty-eight. Um, sorry, onto the text here. So I got to pull out from memory. Uh, God works for the good of those who love Him. To those who are called according to His purpose, He's always working for good, right? And then I like what this says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 listen to this we often don't think this way blessed be the god and father of our lord Jesus Christ the father of mercies and the god of all comfort who comforts us in all our afflictions our pains our griefs, our sorrows. Why? Why does he do that? So that we would be able to comfort those that are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. Can you just put a redemption story to your pain and see this in life, that he wants to use all of your negative stuff that you've experienced so that he would equip you to minister to those people that are going through the same. In other words, the fact that my dad passed away a year ago, it it does give me a different nuance in how I'm able to speak with those who've lost a loved one. I'm able to empathize far deeper I'm able to share what, how, how the Lord comforted me. I mean, just last night, I, I started tearing up because I wish my dad were here to watch my son graduate. And, and Jesus is going to use that grief in my heart so I can love someone and care for them. The way, the way he did it for me. Last night, when I was praying, going to bed last night. You see, God uses it. He uses your pain and your broken marriage. He uses that divorce. He, he, he uses the lies that you've been told all your life from people so that you can come alongside someone and show them who? Jesus I like what C.S. Lewis said about this. I suggest to you that it is because God loves us that he gives the gift of suffering. Pain is God's megaphone to arouse a death world. You see, we are like blocks of stone out of which the sculptor carves the forms of men. The blows of his chisel which hurt us so much, they are what make us perfect. Right? He uses it all to make us perfect like Jesus, to be able to care for others like Jesus. So God, he takes our pains and he says, do not be defined by them. Allow me to use them, that you might build my kingdom. Right, and this other reason why we we don't live with purpose and meaning is we love comfort, we love pleasure. Right, we go about our day with like with zero focus. Like, what am I here for? And I I think I think the proverbs say this well. It's really interesting. In Proverbs 29, verse 18, I, I think it's on your sheet. It's, I like how the King James translation puts it. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, the people perish. That word perish, okay, it's, it's, this, it's interesting. It's a very interesting word. The word perish is the thought of when a lady's hair is braided. It's when the, when the braids become undone. So, here's Dan Hordens translation when he was looking at the, the Hebrew, right? When there's no vision, people go out of control without focus or purpose in life. Right? Ladies, when your braid goes, hair's <laughs> out of control, right? When there's no vision, people go out of control without focus or or purpose in life. You all, where are you? Are you living your life without purpose or vision? Right? To give your day. Here's me for many of us. And the, you know, well, this is me. This is Dan Horton. And The Lord needs to renew me. I wake up. I eat. I drive. I go to work. I eat. I go to work. I go home. I eat. I want to veg on the TV all for the rest of the night and go to bed. Sound familiar to anybody or is that just me? You get that? We just kind of track along. Zero purpose, zero vision. It's what we do. God is inviting us to see there's more to life than just that. He wants us to live with vision, purpose, and intentionality with everything that we do. This is normative for us. It's normative for us to think of, what's my purpose in life? What am I doing? And I had thought about this, like, all right, my teenagers, you guys going to college, you college students, you young 20s, what's the question they're asking? What am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do with my life? And then for you, as you get a little older, you're in your 30s, you're in your 40s, what are you asking What am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my life? Right? And then when you get to your 70s, 80s, maybe 60s, you're asking yourself the question, what have I done with my life? Right? Usually y'all are smiling. You, You totally get where I'm going. It's natural for us to ask that question because we want our life to matter and have meaning. Maybe the better question is this how am I making my life matter now? You hear that, young person? 30, 40-year-old, those of you going through the midlife crisis with me, those of you going to the end of your life, how are you making your life matter now? That's the question. We are, are wonderfully made by God for wonderful things. Can we embrace that? And allow that to be the the one vision of our life that's just a a resounding gong that just hammers our conscience. Jesus, how are you using me? With however you've made me, how are you using me? That eternity, that eternity would be our mindset and we, we think of this quote that I love to think about, only one life to live till soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. Your life matters now because it does affect eternity. I mean, imagine this with me. When you die, your life still changes people. Do you believe that? I'll tell you that's true now. You know why? My grandparents are still changing me now. My dad's still changing me now because they mirrored Christ to me. And it's still deeply influencing me. How will our lives show Christ the day we die? And so, take your worksheet out, okay? I want you to look at the bottom, all right? There's a couple things here. Here's our next steps. Here's what I want you to take away from this. I have some questions for you to process, and I don't care, like if you're age 8, process it. If you're age 20, process it. Think through it. I have some questions for you to think through of, hey, what am I doing with my life right now? And then I have a, another um, very interesting thing I, I thought was helpful. There's a guy named Donald Miller. Chris and I were watching them. Dave Ramsey and this guy came on. He wrote a book about heroes and that we should live a life of being a hero, of, of influence and and, not, and trying to see our life as, as mattering in front of others. And this is interesting he says, this statement, if you want to live a more meaningful life, start with reading your own eulogy. <laughs> now, he's not being morbid here. And the point is not to be morbid. The point is to say, what will I be remembered for? What will I be remembered for? Purpose and meaning in my life, Right? And what's fascinating to me is that we don't think about this often, but Paul does this. Paul does this in 2 Timothy. And he, he tells Timothy, as Paul's ending his life, he's talking to Timothy, who is a pastor, right? Paul's giving Timothy his eulogy. I think this is fascinating. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. It says this. Timothy, I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. Now, just think about the song we just sang. Michael, this is how the spirit works, right? That my life is yours. All I have is yours. Use it, use it, Lord. That's what Paul is saying. And then he goes on and says, I have fought, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's Paul's epitaph, people. That's on his tombstone. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I've finished the race. There it is. There's his eulogy. This is, this is what I've done with my life. Henceforth, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but to all who love His appearing. Eternity is on His mind. I will be with God. I will be with God. And my life was a living sacrifice for King Jesus. And that my life was completely built around building up the kingdom of God everywhere I go, everything I do, It's all revolving around Jesus and living for him. That, that's the purpose of life. That's the real meaning of life. Is allowing my life to mirror Jesus everywhere we go. So this week, here's what I want you to do. Take that sheet, process it for yourself. Think through it. Think through your experiences and are they affecting how you're living today? How is God inviting you to live out your life now? Write out your own eulogy and think of narratives. You know, maybe if this is a, a big, too big of a concept, just think about narratives. Like, what do you want said of you with your family? What do you want said of you with your career? What do you want said of you with your personal life? How is your life showing the gospel of Jesus? And secondly, you all, here's what I encourage you to do. Work through that this week and come to prayer night. If you've got nothing going on, come to prayer night and pray through it. God, how do you want to use me? And work through it for, with us as a community because I believe that God is inviting us to build the kingdom of God here in Encounter Church and in this world we live. Let's work this together as a church and let's see God change the people around us when we're set on his mission and not our own. Your life is not about building your kingdom. It's about building his kingdom. So come with us on Wednesday night. Work through it. Pray through it. and Let's just see what the Lord's going to do. You all, over the next three weeks, over the next month, we're going to be walking through our purpose, our gifting, our talents, our abilities, and our next steps of wherever the Lord might have you. I'm praying, I'm praying, praying that the Lord renew in you a desire to use your gifts and talents to change the people around you. Because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Amen? And he wants to use us for his glory, and for his honor, because brothers and sisters, boys and girls, children, adults, God has wonderfully made you today for wonderful things. And I'm excited to see what he is going to do through each of us.